Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Are you happy because you win or do you win because you're happy? At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. All right, everyone. Welcome on to a fun concept. John and I are doing this for the first time. We are going to hold ourselves accountable here and look at the 2020 trade deadline. Again, that's in the Hollinger and Duncan era. John and I did a show on that. I re-listened to it in the last week or so. So hopefully we'll have a consistent understanding of what we thought at the time. But a, a lot has changed since then. And we'll go through all, all the major deals, uh, but... John, as you went back and looked at it here, what were some of the, or or I guess I should say the biggest change that you had in your thinking between then and now on that 2020 trade deadline? Yeah, you know, I was going back and looking at it. I think there's one trade where I really probably did a 180 on what I thought at the time, where where it's really like, oh, okay, uh, this is very different than I thought. And that is the Andrew Wiggins, D'Angelo Russell trade uh, between Minnesota and Golden State. What did you think at the time? At the time, I thought the Wiggins contract was so bad that it was worth trading a first round pick to turn it into Russell. And I think the Wiggins contract is roughly as bad as I thought it was, uh, although he's gotten a little he's he's done more defensively, I think, than maybe we expected. Uh, But. I think I seriously overvalued Russell. And then obviously the T-Wolves, T-Wolves have been worse than maybe I thought they'd be. And so that first round pick they included has ended up being hugely valuable. Yeah, that is the most valuable extra pick that is out there in the NBA right now. And I think I certainly was no fan of Russell's stylings, having seen it up close for 33 games before the trade deadline in Golden State last year. But I felt around the league, his value was just so much higher than Wiggins that it would be easier for the Warriors to trade for a star with Russell's contract and their own 2020 first round pick, which we knew would be at the top of the draft. Didn't know it was going to be number two at the time. So it'd be easier for them to trade for a star with that than with that 2020 first round pick and the Minnesota pick. As it turned out, though, uh, I mean, a big part of this, uh, basically, I guess you could say that every single variable since then has gone Golden State's way. Yeah, probably. I mean, other than maybe Wiggins figuring it out at the offensive end, um, which is something that I think they kind of talked themselves into after the trade. Yeah, but... he's actually looked worse, I think, on offense with the Warriors <laughs> than he did in Sacramento. Or, well, or Sacramento, and... ha, Minnesota. <laughs> he but, seems like oh, he seems like he ought to be a king. 
<laughs> hey, the Kings, the Kings will uh, get back within three games of uh, the play in two weeks from now and then immediately drop back to uh, six games behind. So don't, don't discount yeah. them too much. Okay. Okay. That's fair. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I think, you know, Wiggins at least has hasn't looked like he just you know is like killing the warriors even though you know the the whole point that they made at the point of the trade i hadn't talked to anyone in the organization when you and i talked about this was hey don't think of him as you know if you just forget the contract he is a valuable player like he is a starting wing player that player you know might make in the mid-teens or something on a deal uh and I, i mean i think you could maybe say that as of right now Andrew Wiggins contract actually and Russell's are probably about equally as bad. Is that fair to say, given what's happened since the trade? I think that's relatively fair. Yeah. Yeah. Because they both run the same length, right? I'm looking at them right now. I think that's correct. Um, Yeah. yeah. Each of them is basically the same money and for two more years after this one. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'd say that's correct. So obviously to have that draft equity now and to have it potentially be like the fifth pick in this year's draft, which is, an outcome that is on the table. I mean, that's a tremendous outcome for, uh, I'm sorry, is it actually top three protected? I keep thinking it's top four. It's actually top three protected, right? So it is you could end up, top three. they could end up fourth very easily out of this. And in a, yeah. in what is considered by most a five player draft, uh, that's a nice position to be in actually. Well, and I think maybe even more so than that, but related, one of the things that I did say at the time, which I'll give myself a little credit for was the Warriors who moved heaven and earth to get this guy, Russell, then made a trade in which they were going to bet that he sucked. (laughs) And that bet has paid off. Uh, And even, you know, I mean, honestly, I, I don't know if you see it this way, but honestly, I think that the Wolves haven't really even been better when Russell's been available. I know he's been hurt and that's, that's not a great sign either. He at least had 25 points in his first game back. So hopefully this wasn't like a major issue in terms of the surgery that he had, but he hasn't really helped the Wolves when he's been available to me either. And so that's, that's a big problem in addition to the Wolves having given up the draft pick. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Good move by Golden State to, um, it's hard for a team when they invest that much in a player to turn around that quickly and be like, whoops, <laughs> you know, so give Golden State credit for doing that. Yeah. And Golden State also got out of the tax and they, part of that was they, they might've been able to get a little bit more from the Wolves. Also, let's keep in mind, they got a second out of that as well, which they're probably going to, is going to be the price for Kelly Oubre. They actually got Minnesota's second this year as well. And then they traded Mm -hmm. either the top 20 protected first or the Minnesota second to get Oubre. And that might've been different. Obviously, I mean, one of the things, the thing that hasn't gotten Golden State's way is Clay Thompson got hurt again. And so that was a big part of this was the, the idea that Thompson would be back and they'd have enough scoring. And uh, so it's hard to hold the Clay Thompson tearing his Achilles again against Golden State at this point in time. So I, th- I think basically, you know, I was more, I thought that was a bad move as well because we were thinking, oh, hey, Andrew Wiggins, just to get off of that contract is two first round picks of value on its own. But it really, with Golden State just willing to pay whatever, that didn't really matter to them. You know, I think maybe we underrated that aspect of it as well. Absolutely. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think you would have to score this one a pretty unequivocal win for Golden State at, at this point in time. And, yeah, they got the number two pick. And uh, now uh, this summer, you know, if they can pair uh, Jonathan Kamingo with the LaMelo ball, they're really going to have something. <laughs> uh, Nate? <laughs> 
uh, little, little fly in the ointment there. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna just keep uh, keep going ostrich style on that one. Put put my head head in the sand uh, for because I could have been seeing Lamelo Ball in person for the next uh, the next ten years. Uh, okay, so the, that was the, a, an interesting. There is the one chance here. they pass on Evan Mobley because they already have James Wiseman, though. Have you thought of that? <laughs> yeah, that that's something I I've been thinking about a lot. Of should they just trade Wiseman for what they can get this offseason, even if it's not a star, mm-hmm. because he may like he may just continue to lose value. They probably won't do that, but, uh, and uh, they're going to want to see what he looks like in summer league, et cetera. So uh, this trade was all about D'Angelo Russell, John, and we've talked about him enough. So I think it's fair to say that D'Angelo Russell is the Michelob Ultra player of the week. (laughs) It's only worth it. If you enjoy it, John has not gotten to enjoy the Michelob Ultra player of the week live the last couple of weeks because I had to edit it in afterwards, but no such luck this time. John will be enjoying the Michelob Ultra player of the week just as much as me. 2.6 carbs, 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Joy creates success and enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. Gerson Rosas. Is he enjoying D'Angelo Russell? He'd probably tell you is, I think. Uh, are you happy because you win or do you win because you're happy? D'Angelo Russell is the Michelob Ultra player of the week. If If you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. It's a pocket-sized guide that helps you sleep, focus, act, and be better. It's your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. And they're one of the only meditation apps that uses clinically validated research to advance the field of mindfulness and meditation. No matter what it is, Headspace can help you feel better. If you're overwhelmed, their three-minute SOS meditation might be for you. If you need help falling asleep, their wind-down sessions are sworn to by their members. For parents, Headspace even has morning meditations you can do with your kids. 25 public studies support the benefits of Headspace. It's got 600,000 five-star reviews and over 60 million downloads. You deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash lock.mba. That's headspace.com slash Locked on NBA, the name of this network for a free one month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is their best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash locked on NBA today. Okay, so what are some of the other big deals that you wanted to comment on and any that you've changed? I guess we can kind of go in order of the ones that we've changed our opinion on the most here. Yeah, well, I think the one that really set the league kind of on edge and kind of upset the whole landscape was Jordan Bell for Bruno Caboclo. So I think we should talk about that one first. (laughs) No uh, scowl for uh, cash considerations and a future protected second round pick. Uh, the the Hawks getting Derek Walton Jr. for a cash? Not not in on that one. Um, I mean, this one has a ton of moving parts. I, I, sorry, I, I gave you the chance to give me a real answer, and you and, you did not. <laughs> and, I, a, and I passed. Yes, I I, I will now uh, give you the the next one that I want to talk about here, and that's that huge four teamer, the Clint Capella Robert Covington trade, uh, mm-hmm. also involving. Uh, well, I just want to go through this one in case people forget it. So the Rockets got Robert Covington and initially Jordan Bell, who then got moved on for Bruno Caboclo. Uh, and they gave up Clint Capella and their 2020 first rounder. The Wolves got the Nets 2020 first rounder from the Atlanta Hawks. They also got Malik Beasley, Juancho Hernan Gomez from the Nuggets. And the Nuggets basically swapped Beasley and Hernan Gomez for that 2020 first round pick. 
from the Rockets. There are other moving pieces in there, but the, those pieces didn't move very much when they got to their new team. Jared Vanderbilt going from the Nuggets to the to the Wolves. He's actually played this year. So at the time, the big focus there was Houston going all in on small ball with Robert Covington. They are going to revolutionize basketball. And that obviously did not end up happening because uh, Russell Westbrook is now revolutionizing basketball with the Washington Wizards. And Robert Covington is revolutionizing basketball with the Portland Trailblazers and James Harden is really revolutionizing basketball with the Brooklyn Nets and PJ Tucker. Uh, you get the point. Yes. Yeah. So I, I think first things first, unequivocal win for the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah. To get Capella. A single, single mid round first for Capella, who's been awesome for them this year, still has two years left on his deal at reasonable money. Like that is a win. That is a giant W for Atlanta. But by the way, you know who that pick ended up being? Uh, that, that Nets pick that that the Wolves or that the Hawks gave up. It went to the Wolves, and then it went to the Oklahoma City Thunder. After that, was it Poku? Oh, it was. Okay, all right, fun times. Okay. <laughs> we'll we'll see. He's 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 had a few flashes. He has he has, he's uh, shown enough flashes that you can't. <laughs> He's also the youngest player in the league. Yeah, um, and also consider his value to the organization just in starting and playing <laughs> starters minutes and uh, helping them solve their problem of winning too many games this year. Yeah, which, uh, I would seems, say seems to be getting solved in a hurry. The, the, last the, week the, so. the Poku Maladon combo with uh, with with especially with uh, as long as Gilgis Alexander is injured with whatever nebulous injury he has right now. Uh, Pl- Planner yeah, fasciitis. Is that what is that what he's got? Okay. Yes. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the Hawks, Clint Capella, the way he's played this year, as you started to say, I mean, he's been probably a top five defensive player in the year or, or in the league this year. So that's you got to feel pretty good about that, uh, I would say, to get that sort of a player. And looking at the other centers who have changed teams, the free agent market, even this year at center, Clint Capella, far better player than any of those guys. He's gotten over his plantar fasciitis. Or compa- compare him to rebounders in the league. Compare him to Steven Adams, who also cost a first round pick, makes significantly more money and isn't nearly as good, right? Yeah, so I agree with you there. Unequivocal win for the Hawks. And I, I felt that way at the time. I think Capella has exceeded my expectations defensively. You know, I think he's been at a new level with the Hawks and a new level as a rebounder as well. So, uh, And the Hawks have taken the step forward this year that they were supposed to take, uh, although they had some bits and starts with the Lloyd Pierce saga. So that's all working out. The Hawks accomplished their goal there, get, get a, a solid grade. How about the Nuggets giving up, getting that 2020 first-round pick uh, via the Rockets and giving up Malik Beasley and Juancho Hernan Gomez, trading those essentially for a first-round pick? How does that look in hindsight? Well, it looks great because they were able to turn it into Aaron Gordon, basically, right? They turned the pick into R.J. Hampton and then turned Hampton into Aaron Gordon along with another pick. Yeah, how did that end up end up happening? Because they had to trade that twenty twenty three. No, actually, I think that I think that pick became uh, Zeke Naji, and then the other one they got R.J. Hampton from uh, trading their twenty twenty three first round of the Pels. So, so Zeke Naji ended up being the the return there. 
who I actually kind of yeah. like, uh, although he is still a center. And so that's, you know, yeah. you wonder about that with Jokic. But I think he's looked pretty good defensively. He's shooting the ball okay. He can switch a little bit. So I, 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 I've liked what he's done for them, but probably truly to say. But they ultimately, you know, the, the deal that Beasley ended up getting with the Wolves, part of why I think he took that was because he was going to be starting. And Beasley's looked good, much better with the Wolves than he did with Denver. But with their salary structure, they were just never going to re-sign. They, they had to cash out on those guys or they were going to lose them for nothing. So I thought that was good on them to turn that into a, a first-round pick. Uh, yeah. which now, is- if, if they'd re-signed him, perhaps he could have been part of a deal, to part of the Aaron Gordon deal, for example, rather than Gary Harris. If they'd wanted to go that route, he would have had more value than Harris. But also, he wouldn't have been playing the way that he is uh, with Minnesota, where he can score 20 points a game. That wouldn't happen. So uh, he didn't want to be there. He wanted to start. I think that was kind of a win for, for all parties. We'll see what happens with Najee. But it's important to remember that Beasley would not be Beasley, I don't think, with the Nuggets. Yeah, and they'd be like 15 million in the tax yeah that's a good point too so i mean or and they also freed up space to get jermichael green there was also the jeremy grant component as well but that's right how do, how do you feel about minnesota's piece of this so yeah that's hernan gomez they signed to a three-year 21 million dollar deal and i think the last year of that is non-guaranteed if i'm remembering correctly uh yes it is but he's been awful so far this year but beasley has been good He's just another offense-only player, which doesn't help them a ton. Yeah, yeah. It's so like trading a pick in the twenties to get their rights. I I don't think that was terrible. Uh, the Beasley contract I wasn't a huge fan of at the time, but it's actually looking okay. The fourth year of that is a team option as well. The Wancho contract I think was maybe a little optimistic. Uh, and they got Jared Vanderbilt in that deal too, who actually has been okay for them. I mean, he's on a minimum. We'll see if he's on the team after this year, given their tax situation. But I didn't, I didn't think that part was terrible. Uh, they, uh, they cashed in their Covington stock. And I guess the one question you could ask is, could they have gotten more after the draft? Although if they had done that, if they had waited to the draft, they wouldn't have been able to parlay it into Beasley necessarily with one of the picks because they got two firsts for him, turned one of them into Beasley and Wancho, and then hung on to the other one. I think the other one is Leandro Balmaro, am I, am I not mistaken? I mean, there were a couple of pick swaps that happened well, in between there. So they, they turned 17 into 25, and then I think they moved that up to 23 to get Balmero. And then the other one was Jaden McDaniels, yeah. uh, who looks pretty good for them, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So over overall, you'd look at this deal and say these teams basically got what they wanted out of it, actually, because for Houston, they were able to get their money back on Covington. Right. Because they were able to flip him for two firsts to Portland. And the first they got, I believe, were better quality than the ones they gave up in the first place. The, the only negative, really, was that they gave up Clint Capella, but they turned him uh, into Christian Wood, basically. So yeah, I I think that they were able to exit this reasonably well, and I think they're pro- they're happier to have Wood than Capella at this point. They also uh, saved some money. Is that Wood is that important less for Houston? Than As it turned out, now I mean, and and I don't think it's not like to me Houston was going anywhere with Clint Capella where they wouldn't have gone uh, with Robert Covington and Russell Westbrook's yeah, totally. injury obviously torpedoed them. So. But no, that was their last best shot to do something with that group. So. When, I mean, you, you take those swings when you're in that position. Uh, so I don't think you can fault them for that. We've seen that two first was Robert Covington's market value. So it's not like they grossly overpaid. 
Um, and Capella, for as good as he's been in Atlanta, he actually had sort of fallen out of the mix a little bit in Houston because they were playing small so much and doing so much ISO with James Harden. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, you know, I, I don't think I, I said at the time that I thought that trade was a win for all of the teams. Obviously, it didn't work out for Houston as far as getting to where they wanted to go, but you know, I don't think that was because of Robert Covington. That was because Russell Westbrook didn't play well enough and, you know, James Harden just couldn't do it on his own and they kind of didn't have great chemistry. That's none of that's Robert Covington's thought. So I, I think, I think that really was a, a trade that was a win for all four teams involved. Pretty rare you could say that. And yeah. that's what we thought at the time too. So we can, we can pat ourselves on the back for that one, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 The other really big trade, and by the way, we, we will, for those of you listening on Locker Room, we will get to your comments probably in the next 15, 20 minutes or so. If you want to get some comments in on last year's trade deadline, if you disagree with us, that would be a great way to get in. And with your speaker request, you can get those in now. We'll get to those in order, the order that they are received. We'll get to your call in the order you were received. Uh, so the other big trade was the Justice Winslow trade with the Miami Heat and the Memphis Grizzlies. And uh, I'll go through what that was. That was Winslow going from the Heat to the Grizz, along with quite a bit of salary fodder, James Johnson and Deion Waiters, about $30 million in salary for 2021. Waiters immediately was waived. They flipped James Johnson for Gorgie Jang, who gave him a little something. I mean, that was probably a good deal doing just that flip. Gave him a little yeah. something, but now he got waived. As well, and the Heat got Andre Guadala, and with that, they extended him for another year at 15 million per with the team option. They got Jay Crowder, they got Solomon Hill, and they, of course, got off of the money of Johnson and Waiters for 2021. What did you think at the time on that one? At the time, I thought it was a really good deal for Miami and just an okay at best deal for Memphis. They basically rented out all their cap space to take a shot at Winslow and to, for two years at 13. Um, didn't even get a draft pick from Miami, which Miami didn't have a lot to put in, but I thought they could have at least nicked him for a second. And Wins- Winslow, obviously, to the extent he's played at all, he hasn't played well in Memphis. Now, you could argue if you're Memphis – no harm, no foul. They weren't going to be able to use cap space last summer anyway. And now they can basically just just go forward and it's it's not a big deal. Uh, but c- certainly it hasn't turned out like they hoped, I think. No, because this was a bet on Justice Winslow. And hey, it's salary cap space has some purpose, right? And, you know, they yeah. maybe could have gotten in on the Al Horford sweepstakes this offseason, for example, or they could have signed somebody on the free agent market who might have helped them. Jay Crowder was actually, he wasn't that great for them shooting the ball, but he was still important to them. Yeah, And so having him was ended up being massive for Miami. That was it, it, huge. Yeah, it was huge for Miami and it took the wind out of Memphis's sails as far as making the playoffs. Um, you know, especially when with when Jaron Jackson got hurt in the bubble too, like Crowder could have played four and really helped them. Uh, and so they didn't have that option. Yeah. Now Memphis would tell you, Hey, we're, who cares whether we made the playoffs last year? Hey, who cares whether we make the playoffs this year? Yeah. Even? We are, we're trying to develop it. It's all about the future. And the thinking for Memphis was, Hey, you look at the potential three and D wings. Those guys just aren't out there. We couldn't get anyone like that in free agency. And justice Winslow is a swing at that. And Hey, how could we have known that he was going to suffer this terrible hip injury practicing the bubble? Well, maybe because he missed the entire year due to back issues before, 
before that. Right, right. And I mean, it was just such a steep price to pay for Winslow and such a big bet on him that basically at the time I said, well, this is Justice Winslow better pay off. And he's probably been in like the second percentile of what your expectations for him were. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's been pretty rough. So it's it's going to be interesting if they even pick up that player option, that uh, team option for $13 million next year. Yeah, I mean, he's got a little bit more of a chance to do something, and maybe maybe we'll get to see him in the playoffs. Who knows? But that's uh, I, I think you got to say this is a, a loss for the Grizz right now, and we haven't gotten to see Justice see Justice Winslow with Jaron Jackson also. And I, I, you know, considering the injury issues that they've had, the Grizz got to feel pretty good about being right around five hundred. Oh yeah, all yeah. year. Yeah, two but, games over. Just beat Philly and uh, Miami on the road. Yeah, they got to be feeling. Really good. And the irony, of course, is that Kyle Anderson has turned into the player they were hoping Winslow would be. I agree. And I mean, he's probably shooting it better than you could expect from Winslow. And frankly, the way Winslow has played, it was Memphis's bench unit with Killian Tilly and and company last night that broke the game open. And with Winslow on that bench unit, you know, shooting 25% from the field or whatever it's been, that's, uh, they may not have had that happen. He further stresses a roster that is already short on shooting is, is the other pro like his, his fit there isn't that great right now. Maybe when you get Jaron back, it's different, but that's, that's another issue there. So anyway, obviously this is a fantastic deal for Miami because it got them to the finals. The irony is they nearly flipped Crowder for Danilo Gallinari, who might not have helped them as much in the playoffs as Crowder ended up doing. Yeah, it sounded like they had the deal for Gallo and they just couldn't come to an extension agreement. They wanted him to take basically, you know, like 20, the same deal as Iguodala uh, yeah. probably was making before. And Gallo, from a business standpoint, made the right decision by waiting till free agency. He got another guaranteed year at $20 million and then a partial guarantee for a third year with the Hawks. Although, who knows, maybe he would have been happier in, in Miami. But I agree. I, I think... Crowder helped them more last year, maybe in unsustainable fashion than Gallo would have. So unequivocal win for Miami and for the Grizz. I didn't like it that much. I understood it at the time, but obviously, I mean, you have to say it's a, a pretty big loss for them at, at this point in time. Yeah, just the the opportunity cost of whatever they could have done with that room. They basically, t- I mean, they took a swing, so give them credit for that, but they're probably not going to end up with uh, much from that swing. A, a weekly hit dribbler back to the mound. <laughs> um, any of these other ones that you wanted to talk about at all here? Uh, does this count as a deadline deal? Uh, I mean, it kind of happened earlier in the year. Uh, Jordan Clarkson to Utah ended up being pretty enormous. Yeah. What was it? It was two seconds. Two and seconds. Also and Exum, Dante Exum. Exum. Yeah. Yeah. Exum has basically not played, which is unfortunately has been yeah. the pattern in his career. So they basically got off a nine million of totally dead salary. And considering how early in the year that happened, that dead salary means more than it did at the trade deadline. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, Clarkson has been good for the Jazz. He's now going to be a six man candidate. They re signed him, maybe a, l- a little rich, but Clarkson also helped them last year as well. I mean, you, you got to remember where they were, the Jazz. They're this juggernaut now with similar personnel to what they had, but their bench was absolutely killing them yes. last year. And Clarkson came in and he's not, you know, the most efficient player in the world, but he gave them enough production to where that wasn't just a complete destruction anymore for them. Yeah. Yeah. And turned it, I mean, with him and Ingles now, that bench has been a real strength for them to the, to the extent they play. I mean, they basically play like a three man bench, right? But uh, the, those three guys have really helped them when they come in. 
I never thought I would be one of those people who was bored at home. I've always been able to find something to do that I'm interested in, some kind of media to consume. But I found myself bored at times in the last year. And Masterclass has helped with that. With Masterclass, you can learn from the world's best minds anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. They have these cinema quality videos and courses, and it really is the world's best mind, whether it's Chris Voss former FBI lead hostage negotiator on negotiation. Steph Curry on shooting and ball handling. Alice Waters basically invented the farm to table movement in my current town of Berkeley, California. Margaret Atwood, my wife took her writing class and really enjoyed it. And the great thing about it is you can watch these videos and be entertained, learn a little bit about a new hobby, or you can really get into them because there's downloadable materials. You can take it like it's a real academic course, except you're learning from an absolute master instead of some TA at a junior college. So I highly recommend that you check out Masterclass. You can get unlimited access to every Masterclass. And as a Hollinger and Duggan listener, you get 15% off the annual membership. Go to masterclass.com slash PER. Easy to remember slash PER because John invented it. That's masterclass.com slash PER for 15% off Masterclass. Well, you don't need me to tell you about Locker Room because later in this episode, you're going to hear how cool it is. The free Locker Room app is currently available on all iOS devices. You can create a profile, you link your Twitter, and join the NBA group for the latest league updates. You can follow me at Nate Duncan NBA. Follow John at John Hollinger. My partner Danny LaRue. I do a show with him once a week, at, usually at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific on Tuesdays. So you can jump in with us and actually talk to us live. Speak your piece. Tell us what morons we are. Or you can even start your own room with your friends while you're watching a game. So join me and John on Wednesdays, usually around 2 Eastern, 11 Pacific. We went a little earlier this week. And Danny LaRue and me on Tuesdays, 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific, Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. So the the other one I think that has big implications kind of league-wide is the uh, Marcus Morris trade from the Knicks to the Clippers. Yeah, that one, they got a first and a second for Morris, and it ended up being pretty late. The Knicks ended up turning that pick 27 and 38 into 25 and 33 in the draft. They ended up getting Emmanuel quickly, who looks really good. That, yep. That's been exciting for, for Knicks fans, for sure. He looks like he's going to be at least part of their rotation for a while going forward. And that really just, I think, maybe you thought Morris would go for a little bit more, and you thought that other teams might get involved on Morris. We were... were the, the Lakers not getting involved they, at the time. They couldn't really trade much. So it was hard for them to find matching salary. As it turned out, the Wake, Lakers won the championship anyway. The Clippers have Morris now. And I mean, I guess that contract looks a little rich, but he also is shooting, you know, 47 bajillion percent from three this yeah. year, which helps uh, now that he's healthy again. So I, I guess that one, uh, I would say pretty similar to what we thought before, even though the Clips didn't win the championship, I wouldn't put that on Marcus Morris. Yeah, I think this is going to end up being a good deal for the Clippers because they got the uh, rights to Morris as a non-bird free agent. In other words, they would not have been able to sign him with their salary position, but because they obtained his rights in that trade, now they're now they're able to re-sign him. Uh, the deal they gave him is rich. Like the last two years in this deal are probably going to be gross, where you're talking about paying him $17 million in 23-24. Um, I mean, if he fall, falls, follows a fairly normal aging curve, that's, that's going to be ugly. But in the win-now moment that they're in now, 
I think this was the right deal for them to get the right guy to put around Kawhi and PG and they can play small in playoff games. They we've seen them experiment with it, dabble in. I think we'll see it more in the postseason. And unfortunately they, you know, they flamed out in the second round last year. I, I don't think Morris was really even a big part of the problem with that, uh, so to speak. If anything, it was the reluctance to go to him at the five that that got Doc Rivers in trouble there. Yeah, it, it, rather than going with Montrose Harold. Now, the, yeah. the Patrick Beverly injury was a big problem there also. So I've got one that we didn't understand at all the time and looks, I think this is one we probably should have even leaned into harder. And that is the Cleveland Detroit deal. Basically, <laughs> Andre Drummond for a middling second and expiring yeah. contracts. Yeah, uh, I would say total victory for Detroit. Uh, they were able to turn their cap space uh, into Jeremy Grant. I mean, I could argue they could have used their cap space even better than they did in some ways. But even so, like get, getting off of that deal was big for them just to start start this rebuild turning around. They were able to get some spit picks, taking some bad contracts. We're still able to get the Grant deal done. And they got a second round pick from Cleveland for a guy they didn't even necessarily want um, and who was – who was actually blocking Christian Wood, who was probably their best player last year. So, I, and as as for Cleveland, I mean, Drummond had some moments for them in the beginning of the year when when they were looking a little better. But you still look at the bigger picture, and it was like, what are like, what exactly are we doing here? Yeah, I, I think the fact that Cleveland couldn't even reflip him and had to shut him down. Obviously, you you can't say that that was a win. And just where Cleveland was at the time, they misevaluated that in every possible way, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that that was uh, what, and and you knew Detroit had nothing for Drummond because they were leaking all this stuff, and then nothing would happen. Um, so. Yeah, that was uh that that was a l- little bit of a head scratcher especially for a team in Cleveland's position where we're still like early days in a rebuild and where their where their best position already was probably the middle. So, yeah, that that one was a total head scratcher on multiple levels and time has not looked favorably on that since. Yeah, the, the they misevaluated the player. They misevaluated the value of their 2020 cap space, which granted they thought it was really low, but there were players that you could still get who would be okay that would have been better than Drummond certainly. Or like Jeremy hey, Grant, could, for instance. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe they could just, you know, and, and we thought that uh we thought that that trade gave Troy Weaver a, a, enough cap space to really get himself into trouble. But as it turned out, Grant and Plumlee have actually been pretty decent this year in the end, and maybe they can at least move them for other other assets. And uh, yeah, that was definitely the right move, even though that wasn't Troy Weaver who made that move for Detroit. That was kind of the, the last gasp of the Ed Stefanski at all era. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so let's see. Was there anything else uh, that popped up here? That is worth talking about. So Philadelphia made a couple trades that ended up not really mattering. Uh, with Golden State, right? They did three seconds for Burks and Robinson. Yeah, three shitty seconds. 
But yeah, it was, uh, and that, that looked like great arbitrage for the Sixers and GR3 was injured and couldn't really play for them. And Alec Burks, I mean, I think he was what he was supposed to be, but once Ben Simmons went down, that obviously didn't end up mattering. And the, so I, I thought that was still a fine move for Philly. Philly also has a bunch of seconds coming out their ears. So to just get those guys for the, the minimum, I still think it was fine. Just didn't work out. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but not due, not due to that. Uh, should we talk about Jordan McRae for Shaz Napier? No, no, maybe, maybe we should, uh, big, big, we should you know, go. what's funny is when at the time though, I thought those teams were doing that trade because both those guys would have low cap holds and that they could position themselves to resign them. And I'm still amazed that nobody signed Shabazz Napier this year. I, I think he's significantly better than a lot of point guards who've been playing regularly. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with you there. I guess the only one we haven't talked about yet is the Dwayne Debin for Jabari Parker and Alex Len. Yes. Um, and I'm trying to remember. So they saved about $6 million, right? Yeah, Sacramento saved about $6 million. The thought was, oh, they're opening up space to re-sign uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, and then they got new management in. They elected not to do that anyway. And Deadman ended up then being traded for Tony Snell and, of course, immediately stretched by the stretch-happy Pistons. And Tony Snell, hilariously... He's, has actually helped helping. the Atlanta Hawks this year, yes. Yeah, so Absolutely. to turn Jabari Parker I- into that, I mean, it seemed like they wanted to just have Dwayne Deadman on their team. Then they drafted a Kongu too, and, and Deadman became superfluous. So that, that's why they ended up doing that deal for Snell. But yeah, I mean, shooting over 50% from three, that that's helpful. Yeah, Even exactly. if it's not on the highest volume in the, in the world. Um, so before we get to your locker room questions, got about 25 minutes left in the show here. We would be remiss, John, in not eliminating two teams from the playoffs. Oh, yes. Or this week, we have not had a chance to do it. And it appears that you and I have eliminated the same five teams so far in different order. That is OKC, Detroit, Cleveland, Minnesota, and Houston. So uh, I will go first, then you can do two, and I will do one since we are doing it that way. Let me call up the old standings here. This gets tough uh, with the play-in. Oh, we do not have the exact same teams, actually. Uh, I have Detroit, and you have... What's our difference? Oh, I haven't eliminated Orlando yet. That seems pretty easy. I'm going to do that. So I have OKC, Minnesota, Houston, Orlando, and who's my other one? Cleveland. Okay. All right. Yeah, so so our difference right now is that you haven't eliminated Detroit yet. Uh, may, maybe you might do that. Yeah, I might, I might, <laughs> that, that seems seems a possibility today. But I, I will I will give you the honor of going first. Uh, I did. I I just uh, eliminated Orlando. Wow, that easily, just like that, huh? What you're you're saying the fact that they just traded away all their best players is is going to harm them from making a playoff surge? Yeah. So uh, now it it actually gets a little bit. Uh, if you if you knock out the Pistons, which I assume you will, that's like the uh, yeah. oh man, you're so much better with the alliteration than I am. What did you call them last year? The Forlorn Five. We need something for the the uh, an alliteration, an S word to describe the uh the these six teams that are just no chance at all at well playoffs. i mean the shitty six right that's you can start there 
Yeah, sure. Sure. Why not? <laughs> the, the, the shitty six. That's uh, yeah. Yeah. You came up with it. Uh, you can, you can take the calls from those teams, uh, executives uh, on that one. Uh, okay. So, so you, I don't need to put words in your mouth, but I, I assume that Detroit will in fact be your first pick. Uh, last place in the Eastern conference and not really trying to get out of it. Yeah. I would I would say Detroit would be, be the next team I will eliminate. Okay. So now it gets a little bit more difficult here. Who are you going with as your second team to eliminate from the playoffs? I am going to eliminate a team that is actually trying to make the playoffs. Uh, that is the Washington Wizards. What about 17 and 32 makes you think that they won't make the playoffs? Uh it's really kind of sad because they're 17 and 32, but they're really trying very earnestly to win every game. Right. And, and they just aren't anywhere near good enough. Uh, you know, I guess you can hope that Russell Westbrook starts feeling better in the second half of the season, but I mean, he's played 42 games. Uh, you know, they're still not getting a lot from Avdia or Hachimura. It's really hard for those guys to develop because they end up just watching the rush, rush show so much. Uh, Davis Bertans has struggled this year. Maybe he plays better the rest of the way, but it's just hard to talk yourself into into them really being any better than they've been. And they have to be significantly better just to get into the play-in. I mean, even though they look at the standings and are like, hey, we're only a couple games out, like Toronto is significantly better than its record and probably will start moving up. Uh, yeah, for if, if they can ever get healthy. I mean, they're, they just yeah. have no players available, so that, that might kill yeah. them. But Toronto Indiana, is, you know, 11th, right? So Yeah, they're 11th. Indiana just finished a, a stretch of impossible games. Now the schedule's going to turn back in their favor, so they'll move up. Uh, the Bulls just acquired Vucevic, so they'll likely be better than they've been. So, I mean, the the Wizards, you have, what, 23 games left? Like, can they even go 500 the rest of the way? And would it matter if they did? Like, if they go 13 and 10 the rest of the way, that only gets them to 30 wins. Yeah, and then also you just consider there's so many teams above them. And also consider that, okay, they get into the 9-10, and then you still have to win what, they're going to win games? a play-in game? No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, well, they're yeah. not going to win two play games and they're not going to get into the seven or the eight so yeah i think it's fair to eliminate them and and, you know bradley beal's gonna have to actually come back uh, as well so it's definitely they would have been my pick as well uh because everyone else at least they're the only team that has basically no chance still on the 538 playoff odds as well and i i kind of agree with that they just i mean they're you know they lost to the raptors with like the raptors not having any players yeah over the weekend it's it's just been really rough there and where the hell do they go from here? It's kind of the question. How do you assess the, the, the thing I've season? been arguing since the beginning of the year is they have to trade Beal regardless of whether Beal wants to stay because that's their only way out of this. Like what they're going to end up losing Beal for nothing in a, in eighteen months. Maybe he like wants to stay and extend again. His contract isn't extension eligible, so you have to walk the high wire of him hitting free agency. That's a good point. I mean, if he really gets in the room with, with other people, then you'd have to imagine that. But I mean, it does. Maybe the one saving grace is that he wants to be. Seems like he wants to be the unequivocal best player on the on the team. That seems to be what he wants to do. And there's all these stories about oh, he talks to Dame Lillard and blah blah. Unfortunately, he's not as good as Dame Lillard. That's one of the problems. And uh, his organization is certainly not as good. As Tim Miller's yeah. organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, I, yeah, I, I don't know where the whiz go from here. Okay, well, let's uh, get into some of our speaker requests here on Locker Room. Let me call that up. And uh, 
Ashan O'Connor, I'm going to bring you in right now. Ashan, are you there? No, I think he took off, actually. All right, let's uh, well get get some of those speaker requests in. Um, this one in the chat from uh, David Wilkes asks, uh, thoughts on Jonathan Kuminga? I'm going to have to default to you on this one, John, because I have not watched any film really uh, on the draft prospects. I would compare him a little bit to Harrison Barnes, just in terms of having the positional size, uh, good athleticism, uh, not great feel for the game. And the interesting thing with him is his birth date. I mean, he's a year younger even than most of the one and dones in this draft. Uh, September 02 birth date. So if that's legit, then you, you're talking about maybe a little extra, you know, runway that he has on the developmental side. His first couple games in the G League bubble were pretty good he kind of tailed off after that I thought Jalen Green really surpassed him as that event went on and the one difference between him and a guy like Barnes is the outside shooting component isn't proven yet I believe he shot 28 percent on threes in that G League bubble so he'll get picked just based on his physical kind of prototype that that's exactly the guy everybody is looking for who can be that big switchable wing. Uh, if he shoots even halfway decent, he'll have value. But probably probably number five on most draft boards right now. And I wonder what's going to happen as teams get a little deeper into film on him versus a guy like, say, Scotty Barnes or or Franz Wagner, if he actually might end up moving down to six or seven. Yeah, that's interesting. It has been talked about it as this five-player draft. I, I did kind of just to get a little ill. What year was he born again? Uh, yeah, it's gross, right? Uh, <laughs> 2002. 2002, the, the yeah. year I graduated college that year? Oh, that's uh, that's that, that's not good at all. Um, might be having some connection problems here on locker room. Let, let us know in the comments if that's the case. Um, so no speaker requests right now. Let's. Uh, I do have some leftover mailbag questions, so maybe we can get into some of those. Uh, this one I think you will enjoy, John. Favorite and least favorite arena to watch a game in. What makes for a good or bad in-person experience for you? I guess you could even throw college and uh, international arenas into this as well, since I know you have uh, ample experience with those. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, let's think about this for a second. Favorite and least favorite. Um Florida's old arena, they've unfortunately changed the seating outlet uh, layout uh, two years ago. But you would be right below all the students right next to the court. That was awesome. Every scout in the league loved going to Florida. Uh, it was a, it was an awesome seat, and but you were like right in the middle, like like just below the student section, and they'd be going crazy. And but you'd be right on the floor, like right across from the visiting bench. Uh, so that was awesome. That was one of my favorite favorite places ever. Uh, overseas, I mean, uh, I forget the name of the place. It's where Partisan plays in Belgrade. I mean, that is an experience unlike any other. Uh, probably breaks every known fire code in the United States, the way they see people there. Uh, well, well you know of, what else might break the fire codes is the fires. The, the actual fires. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, definite, definite uh, threat of uh, objects from being thrown from a distance and possibly hitting you uh, lighters, coins, things of that nature. 
Uh, but, oh, they, they have people carry lighters in Serbia. Huh? Man, I'm, I'm learning something new every <laughs> every day here. Uh, yes, yeah, no, it's it's crazy. Every, everyone there is six foot six and smokes, which I don't understand how that can be possible. But it's it's um, supposed to any, start your growth, right? But anyway, yeah, I, I mean, what, the other one is like uh, is like the uh, the arenas in uh, in Athens, right? Panathinaikos and Olympiakos. Yeah, Those are supposed uh, to be pretty that's legendary weird, too. You're much further from the court there. Um, but yeah. they, there's more, de- there's definitely more pyrotechnics there. Like it, things actually do explode in the stands there. Uh, but they also have netting there to protect the players from getting hit by stuff, uh, which, which they don't have, they don't, they, yeah, they don't have that in Belgrade. So, uh, so th- that's a little bit more, uh, of an experience. And then there's an arena in San Sebastian, Spain, where it's actually a bullfighting ring. Uh, and you can, you can see in the corners, like where the, uh, where kind of the gates are and you can see dirt on the floor below the basketball court and stuff. So that's kind of cool too. Uh, let's see. Uh, how about, how about, how about for, uh, for NBA? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, favorite arena. I mean, I would say for me, it's MSG. MSG is the one for me. Your favorite. Uh, Yeah, I I think so. I mean, now that's, I'm, I'm still trying to look at it from like more of a fan perspective than a media slash scouting perspective. Yeah. But the, yeah. I generally don't like the hockey arenas. I I think the way, the way the bowls are shaped and though that the seats end up being kind of far, feeling kind of far from the action most of the time. Like I I don't like Toronto or Chicago for the same reason. Um, Yeah. Chicago is just like an airplane hangar. That thing is just massive. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Uh, I would say uh, I like Indiana's arena a lot. Yeah, that's that's a great one. Well, here can I, can I explain why I like it, MSG? Sure. Um, it was particularly good before the renovation, at mm-hmm. least for watching the game. Obviously, the rest of it was kind of crappy, but yeah. because it was all just one bowl, so if you were sitting in the upper deck as a fan, you're much closer. And now they've put in a row of luxury suites, but they haven't done just like the massive Staples Center wall of glass that's three levels high that pushes yeah. the uh pushes things up uh and uh so you can't even like see anything from the upper deck yeah uh i'm I'm trying to think i like uh portland's arena the uh moda center is it now it's uh you know it's 25 years old but it still works it's still good and so i like going there orlando's new arena is pretty good yeah i've never i haven't been any of these southeast ones yet um so and Chase Center is solid. I mean, it's not the same as Oracle. Like nothing is going to be like that in terms of the noise because that was just like so yeah. loud and concrete. Or, or, Oracle was low key like a dump as soon as you went in the tunnel. So I mean, Chase obviously is you know it's it's new, right? So it's got it's 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 got the locker rooms and the. Uh, infrastructure beneath oh you know what i let sacramento's got a great arena yeah good food there too no that's actually one of become one of my favorite places to go and the old place was definitely at the absolute bottom well football may be over but the nba college basketball and the nhl are in full swing i like it better when football is over personally and bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action in fact bet online even covers awards tv shows and reality tv you got real-time updated odds and props on almost anything that you can imagine bet online has you covered for all the news scores and odds it's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up head to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first 
first deposit. That's pretty good. Bet online, your online sports book experts, and don't forget the promo code locked on to let them know that you came from us. RockAuto.com is a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years now. If you're into working on your own car and truck, saving some money both in labor and on parts, go to RockAuto.com and you can shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Just put in the make and model of your car. It's everything from engine control modules to brake parts to tail lamp, motor oil, even new carpet. Their catalog is really easy to navigate and the prices are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. There's no reason to go to the auto parts store in person, especially these days, just to find out that they don't have your part and they're going to order it online the same way that you could with rockauto.com for a less expensive price and without going to the store. So go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car and truck right locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com. Let's see. Here we go. Uh, let's see. Hey. Hey. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yes. All right. Hey, we finally got, we finally got in Uh Sean O'Connor. How are you doing, man? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Big fan. Thanks. Thanks everyone for thanks. holding on to us through those technical difficulties. I think we, we got some help from locker rooms. So uh, what do you got for us, Sean? Uh, a couple questions. I'm going to try to make it quick. Um, the 2017-2018 uh, Toronto Raptors, um, overachieving 159 games, top five offense, top five defense. Uh, if you put that team together right now, what would the rotation be? And what would the minutes be? And uh, who would start? Who would close? And would that be a contender? So you're talking about the same guys who are on that team, but just as they as they are now yeah they so got you're, better yeah, yeah so a lot of siakam's better og's better van vliet's better um the Pirtle's better um you know you could say lowry got a little worse but uh yeah, yeah a lot of and, and derozan better. obviously is yeah. the star i i yeah i don't even know if he starts i don't know if, uh, that's I'm, i don't know <laughs> maybe he starts at the three I, I don't know maybe you start van vliet and lowry uh, maybe you start og i don't know what do you guys think well, I'd say we can we can rule out uh, Nigel Hayes or Alfonso McKinney as a starter. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. That's a I mean that that's a that's a really good roster if you look at it now. My goodness, uh, you have Delon Wright, Jonas Valanciunas, Norm Powell, Pirtle. I mean that's a that's a juggernaut. Serge Serge Ibaka would be your third string center on that team. Right, he was starting at the fourth. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, so I, I think probably what they you'd say is. Well, hey, could that team uh, consolidate all these all this great young talent and trade for a star? <laughs> Maybe Ka- Kawhi Leonard is he is he available? Um, no, I mean I think that team would be really good, but I think they ultimately would just run out of uh, run out of star power. Uh, you know, going up against a team like the Nets, while that team has a ton of talent uh, overall and they're really deep, that depth just uh, ends up not being as useful in the playoffs. So. Crazy as it is to say, and that 2018 Eastern Conference was pretty bad. I think they would, you know, if you put all those guys now back to 2018, they'd probably win the East. But yeah, that's, uh, I, I think they just still would be, you know, I'm trying to think of who they would be this year. I guess there's not really a great analog. That's a great question, though. I, I think they still, though, just wouldn't, they wouldn't have enough offensively, I think would would ultimately be it. They, they'd, 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 be, be like, they'd be the best defense in the league. Like they'd win a bunch of regular season games, but you wouldn't necessarily be postseason. Exactly. I mean, that's kind of like what they were in 2018, I guess, right? Right, exactly. Right. Um, uh, okay, let's, uh, so so if you guys want to try getting some more speaker requests in here, uh, I'm going to go through the comments. 
Um, uh, Nunya Business asks, uh, does the Golden State front office deserve some credit for grinding NBA players out of the G League? Getting Lee Mulder and Juan Toscano Anderson for nothing seems pretty solid, uh, aside from their macro problem. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, they're getting something out of those guys, and that's that's great. I mean, is is it massively more than other teams are getting from their two way and minimum slots? Like, I don't really think so. No, I, I don't. I, I mean, and you look at some of the guys that they haven't been able to develop as well. I, I do think, and maybe this is just me seeing these guys and overrating them, that some of these guys could they could be getting more out of them as rotation guys. Someone like Mulder or, or Lee, if just their team wasn't so weird, where mm-hmm. like Draymond and James Wiseman and Looney, like their bigs are just so odd. They don't really haven't really had a backup point guard type until Poole recently. So if you throw Michael Mulder as like a backup shooting guard on, say, the Miami Heat, where he came from, maybe he looks a, a lot better than he does. Maybe he looks like a, a rotation player where he's not in the rotation for Golden State just because they've got they don't have anybody to set up Michael Mulder on the second unit at all. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, I think that to some degree they do, and I thought last year they actually were able to develop some guys a little bit guys like gr3 and burks uh, but as, as he notes that the macro problems have been uh, a little bit better um chad ford uh, david wilkes asked this got about four minutes left here chad ford has said he'd take anyone in the top five of this draft over everyone but Lamelo going forward how would john compare uh, anthony edwards to jalen green and kuminga to patrick williams Kaminga Patrick Williams comp is an interesting one, right? Because both those guys you're drafting basically on tools more than production. Although I think Williams showed a l- maybe a little bit more at Florida State. I don't know. I'm trying to think. I, I, I say that, but I had Williams in the teens on my board, so I guess he didn't show that much more. Um, that's the. I think the Williams Kaminga comp is really interesting, and I think it underscores that. Yeah, last year most people saw it as a as a two player draft well except maybe the warriors um but i i think (laughs) edwards probably goes in the top five in this draft still though i mean his his upside is still so high you know you set aside some of the more obvious mistakes and frustrating things he does in the present and you still say his his future is pretty immense and then you know where where would tyrese halliburton go in this draft too i think you have to ask that like would would you take halliburton over kaminga at five i think i probably would yeah, I mean, I having not seen these guys, again, I can't comment as much as you, but I do think the Kaminga Patrick Williams, I think Kaminga is just a little bit more lithe of an athlete, more of a wing. I think he's bouncier than Williams. Like, it just it seems like it, just more slithery off the dribble to some degree. So yeah, I would say that, and I would say Edwards, I just would not want to take him in the top five. Just the, the overall stats and uh, the lack the lack of any kind of floor game game stuff is really concerning to me and yeah he's had some big games that have looked really good but overall still even in his this last month he's been below 50 percent true shooting uh when he's been getting all this hype so i i mean i'm not saying that edwards can't be really good but i still think it's just very very risky and i think i would rather roll the dice more with someone unknown of course with the caveat that i haven't actually seen these players but you know i, I thought of edwards I, I edwards hasn't really has edwards changed your opinion of him that much john since he was drafted or do you still kind of feel similarly about him? Pretty similar. I mean, I had him number two on my board, right? And yeah. but I, I mean, all the weaknesses that I saw in him have come to to play this year. But I think you draft you that was a known going in, and the real question was whether he would grow out of them or not. So 
I guess, they, I guess said I, about as ex- yeah. I go about back as to like as a shooter. Pe- yeah. People forget like what a massively negative player like Kevin Durant was as a rookie, for instance. And sometimes with guys who are ball dominant, especially, uh, you're, you're going to have to live with some inefficiency out of the shoot to get them where they need to go. So I, I'm not writing off his chance of becoming an All Star caliber guard uh i i do it the thing i worry about with him actually is if he's just ever going to have a clue on defense like that that that's the one that's it like he still makes mistakes all the time where you're rewinding the rewinding the tape and you're just like good god dude like what are you doing here yeah that that's definitely a concern i mean the shooting has been about as advertised i think he's showing a little bit more as a passer i've liked what i've seen from him just in terms of his first step getting to the rim and you know that phoenix game obviously that 40 pointer that i was watching that one live and i was like man this is just unbelievable stuff here but you're also gonna just be it's still pretty volatile with him i would say yeah i mean looking looking at some of kd's stats uh his his first year it's a pretty rough he shot 28 percent from three so you make a, a reasonable point there and all right i think we are now out of time here so we thank you all for joining us in locker room we apologize that we weren't able to get the speaker requests in due to the technical difficulties uh but hopefully it's worth uh, listening to the show anyway and we'll be back at our uh next week to uh not sure what time yet on wednesday but we'll keep you all posted on that on twitter and talk to y'all next time till then Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.